0: Well, this morning, we're going to be we're wrapping up the next two weeks uh, our, our uh, series on kingdom principles. And Ken Gill will be in the house next Sunday. And yeah, come on, he's going to finish off and he's going to be talking about the, the kingdom principle of maturity that we are supposed to be on a journey of becoming more like Christ, of being mature. And how many know we need, we could use a dose of maturity in our culture today, right? <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes you look around and you, from, from politicians to social media, and you go, really? You know, uh, and you think to yourself, wouldn't it be a time for people just to grow up, right? And so it's, it's hard, it's hard to fight all that cynicism, but you know what? The real truth is that God's calling all of us onto a journey Of walking in maturity, of being uh, more mature today than we were yesterday and more tomorrow than we are today. And so there is a a precept on precept, a building of life as we go forward so that we become more than we presently are and that in the future we can surpass our present. Amen? And so today, though, I'm going to be talking about uh, what would have been principle number 10, but it's uh, justice and equality. And this one today is all over the news every day. Everybody's crying out for justice. Everybody's crying out for equality. And it's, it's so hard to figure out what is the right thing. What is the right perspective? And I'm hoping to help you with that this morning so that we can use the Word of God to come to an understanding of what is justice and what is equality. And how does that get lived out? How do we, as the people of God, live that out here in this realm where God's planted us. Amen? So, Father, I just ask today that you would help us as we look at the principle of justice and equality. Lord, we ask that God you would show us, Lord, how to live out this principle of the kingdom of God in our, our family, in our community, uh, in our church community, in our city. In our country, and that Father, you would uh, demonstrate through your word what justice and equality looks like and how we can live that out in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to we'll, we'll take time to go over the principles we've done so far, but I'm, I'm just going to dive right in instead. Um, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he uttered what is now infamously called the Lord's Prayer. And uh, as I mentioned last night at prayer, it's not really the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he never actually prayed it. He said, when you pray, everybody say, me. So when you pray, me, this is how you should pray. So he said, when you pray, pray like this, right? If you want to find Jesus' prayer, John 17, the whole chapter is Jesus' prayer to the Father. And uh, that's Jesus praying. But in Matthew chapter 6, what's called the Lord's Prayer is Jesus answering the disciples' cry, Lord, teach us to pray. So he says, when you pray, say it like this, or talk like this, or pray like this. And uh, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, it was probably, it's probably one of the most profound and most powerful portions of Scripture that we have today. And we, we used to cite it in school before the day started, every day. And you've all heard it before, and you could recite it with me. But it goes like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we recited that and recited that and recited that uh, many, many times. And You know when we look at this passage of scripture there's one statement in here that is incredibly profound i mean he begins by saying our father holy is your name and then he says the next phrase verse 10 uh he says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and he follows that with talking about giving us our daily bread, help, you know, and he empower us to forgive other people, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the most powerful statement, I think, and is certainly applicable to understanding of the nature of kingdom principles is verse 10. Verse 10, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us, he taught us to say to the Father, your your kingdom come, your will be done right here as it's being done there. Amen? Now, there are many things that you could say about heaven. You could say, well, it's an eternal place. It's an unshakable place. It's a place filled with joy. It's a place filled with glory. All kinds of things that you could say about heaven, right? But one of the most powerful statements about heaven is that it is a place of justice and equality. It is a place of justice and equality. And, and, and it continues to be a place of justice and equality and was, was fulfilled completely as a place of justice and equality when Jesus gave his life on the cross. Because Jesus paid the price for our sin and so therefore going forward the justice of God was met by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So that heaven going forth as we pass from this realm into the next is for certain a place of justice and equality, because the price for sin, the price for the the penalty for our sin to make us acceptable in his presence was paid by Jesus Christ. So one of the greatest truths of heaven is it is a place where the justice of God is is completely fulfilled. It's completely fulfilled. So if it's fulfilled in heaven, and Jesus is teaching us to pray this way, he's saying, as it is in heaven then, it is to be so on earth. We're to seek to bring that sense of justice, that sense of equality that there is in heaven, we're to bring here to earth. Now the question is, in practice, what in the world does that look like, right? Right? How do we do that? Well, we're going to look at one of the probably most famous stories in Scripture to help us as we navigate this, and then we're going to look at some real practical things in our society and what does justice and equality look like and how do we help uh, navigate that and advance that in our world today because that's the call on us. We're supposed to, according to the Lord's Prayer, endeavor to have His kingdom and His will be done here as it's being done in heaven. Amen? Humanity's cry for justice and equality is seen throughout history. Virtually every people group has had its struggle and, it's, and had to go through the you know, wars and all kinds of other things in order to get to a place where there's a sense of justice and equality in their country and in their realm. And the, you know, look today, from the, the cry of the oppressed in Ukraine as they're struggling under the weight of war, To those who are today still in the slave trade, as Mike talked about last week, rescuing children from, you know, the sex slave trade, Uh, slavery today, you know, we may not see it in the way we saw it, uh, you know, 200 years ago, but it's alive and well. Lives are being trafficked and moved on our earth today, and this is not an acceptable situation for God. He hasn't redeemed us so we can escape this world. He's redeemed us so that we can go out into this world and we can make the kingdoms of this world as the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, as it sings in the hallelujah chorus, amen? That we've been called to bring that sense of justice and equality from heaven and bring it to earth. And that's why people like Mike Bailey, who was here last week, are so committed to doing what he's doing, because he is bringing the justice and equality of heaven to earth and bringing those children out of a place of slavery and bondage to a place of freedom. That's what God's called us to do. Someone say amen. Amen. The great story of the cry for justice in the Bible is found in the book of Exodus. The story of the plight of Israel and their cry from their slavery and bondage in Egypt rised up to the heart of God, and he sent them a deliverer. You have to understand that Israel came to live in Goshen, which is a part of Egypt, because of the deliverance of God through their ancestor, Joseph, they were delivered from famine, and they were taken into this land when famine was in all the rest of the world. Uh, there was food in the land of Goshen because God had spoken to Joseph, you guys all remember the story, right? And now, here we are, 400 years later, everybody say 400 years. Four centuries later, Israel has been in that land, and over those four centuries, they, they turned from being people who were welcome visitors to being people who were uh, slaves that were oppressed by the Egyptians. And now they've been working for hundreds of years under the the lash of a whip, and they have been made to serve and to build the structures, the pyramids, and the stuff that you see uh, in Egypt today was built by slave labor on the backs of God's people. Are you hearing me? And so we're going to pick up the story of God hearing the cry of Israel and setting them free. And we pick it up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and he looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and he looked that. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, well, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. We're going to move forward to verse 23. Now he's uh, become a prince of meeting because he's married Jethro's daughter. And you guys all know the story. And, and now we get into verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out and their cry came to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. God acknowledged them. And then move ahead to chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, out of bondage. this story is well known throughout Western history. And the imagery of it is, you know, embraced by those who are oppressed everywhere. I mean, the, the, the blacks in our culture, going back to their, their struggle for uh, freedom and liberation here in North America, wrote songs uh, uh, built around the theme of the slaves in Egypt and crying out to their God for a deliverer. We see that, you know, echoed across the world wherever we go. People can relate to this story because they understand what it's like to be in a place of bondage. The most part of this, important part of this story, though, is that God heard their cry, and he sent them a deliverer. Amen? God sent them a way out. He sent them an answer. And their call for freedom ended up at the feet of an unlikely person, Moses. Why was he an unlikely person? Well, he was a Jew by birth, but he was raised in Pharaoh's home. Right? He was a shepherd by occupation, yet he, came, uh, he was also a murderer on the run. And yet God chose him. And just to make things even more interesting, Moses had a stutter, right? And so he wasn't the most eloquent speaker. And he tried to get out of, you know, this calling from God. And God finally said, look, I've called you. You're going to do it. Here, take your brother. He'll talk for you. And uh, because you're not even going to use the stutter as an excuse. I called you. You're going to go and you're going to be the deliverer. Then after their deliverance from Pharaoh's hand, after the parting of the Red Sea and the water swallowing up uh, Pharaoh and his army, uh, and after they were drowned in the river, after you know having to strike the rock for water and asking for manna from heaven and getting quail for the people and all the, in the next three months of journeying out of Egypt, they finally get to Mount Sinai. And at this point, after everything Moses has gotten through, I'm sure he's a little bit tired, right? He's a little bit exhausted, And and when the, the people of Israel, now free, get to the mountain of God, what does God do? When they get to the mountain of God, what does God now do? He gives them the Ten Commandments, right? He gives them the Ten Commandments. God, in his wisdom, hear this this morning, knows that freedom gained must be maintained. Everybody say that. Freedom gained must be maintained do you get what he's saying in other words they've been set free but now in order to live free they need they needed some parameters in order to live as free people if you've been a slave for 400 years and you're you were a slave and your daddy was a slave and your daddy before him was a slave it might be that the only thing you know is slavery and so now here you are free people, you're going to need some, some parameters, some, some guidelines on how to live as free people so that freedom gained can be maintained. And so God gives Moses the 10 commandments so that, and then and further to that, all of the law so that the people of Israel would know how to live and to stay free. Now people don't like rules and regulations. Our sinful nature doesn't like it. We embrace the deliverance, but we We cringe at the commandments. We love the freedom, but we don't like the law, right? We cling to our rights, but we shake off responsibility. And yet God knows we need those things in order for us to live free. Remember uh, principle two? Freedom is the marriage of choice and responsibility, right? It's easy to identify that a slave is not free because they have no choice but there's many people that have choice in our society and they're still not free because they won't take responsibility. Freedom is a marriage of choice and responsibility. Moses, the liberator, led the people of Israel out from underneath the hand of their oppressor to freedom, to choice and responsibility. Now God provides them with a law so that as a free people, they can take responsibility for their future. And that brings us to today. So we've got the example of the story of the Israelites and their journey out of, of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And you're all sitting there going, okay, well, that's good. And I understand what you're saying, but our world's very confusing today. How, does, how do we make this application to the world in which we live today? Because everybody's talking about rights and my rights and this right, and now you got this right clashing with that right and all the rest of it. And how in the world do we figure it out? And so I want to talk to you about a little bit about justice, equality, and economics. Everybody say those three words together. Justice, equality, and economics. So if we're going to talk about justice and equality, they come into clear focus. What we mean by justice and equality come into very clear focus when we start talking about money. Right? Economics brings it into very clear focus. If you want to know where somebody's heart is, right? The Bible says just look at their treasure, right? If you want to understand the nature of someone's heart, I can say it this way. If you want to know where somebody's values are, look at their checkbook, right? Maybe, okay, you guys don't know what checkbooks are. Uh, look at your look at your bank statement, look at your uh, ATM record, you know, your Interac or your credit card. Uh, used to be able to say, look at your checkbook, but nobody writes checks anymore. But, you know, look at your spending record. It will expose your heart. Because in the realm of economics, we get a picture of what the distribution of, of justice and equality looks like. And this is very telling for us. And so economics in one sense is just defining what is just and what is equal in terms of how resources are allocated in our world, right? And the math of economics simply helps us to quantify what our philosophical perspective on justice and equality is. So in other words, you can say that you really care about the poor But if you never actually allocate any of your finances to the poor, your economic statement defines what your philosophy really is, right? Do you see what I'm saying now? And our world gets that. That's why those who are hardcore environmentalists are upset that the government doesn't dedicate more money to environmental issues because they recognize that money is a statement about your values, And that's true from a national program level right down to the individual sitting in the pew. Our money speaks about what we value. It speaks of our sense of equality and justice. And so in order to follow this through, let's first look at the understanding of justice. Justice. Many dictionaries would describe justice as the fair administration of punishments rewards and what is just under the law one might say what is due to you under the law in other words we should justly receive whatever is in line with or commensurate with our investments in any given situation whether it's labor or whether it's law or anything else i should receive according to what i have invested. To quote the Apostle Paul, expressing justice and equality and relating it to economics, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You see the connection between investment and return. Now, there are things to which this principle does not apply because of grace. So for example, salvation is free and cannot be earned or secured through human effort. It's completely the work of Christ. It's not fair. And how many are glad that it's not fair? Amen? Hallelujah. Human labor, though, human interaction, human relationship hinge on the understanding of justice and equality and it's governed by laws. And nowhere is it more easily expressed than understanding the harvest, where there's investment and there's reward. So if we've invested much, we should receive appropriately much. And if we've invested little, we should receive little. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Getting what we deserve does not mean getting what everybody else got. Can I say that again? getting what we deserve does not mean getting what everybody else got. Unless, everybody say unless, unless Unless my investment of time and resources was the same as theirs, right? Justice is not about equal returns. It is about measured returns. Justice does not mean everybody gets the same thing. A just decision is one which sees you receiving that which exactly fits what you did or did not do in this realm. So if you invested much, you receive much. If you invested little, you receive little. I'm going to tie this together in a minute, but now let's look at what equality means. Equality is very different than justice. Equality means that everyone receives the same thing or has the same benefits or penalties relative to whatever set of laws we live under. Equal means equal. No partiality. Same outcome applies to everyone. If the return or the result of an investment is equal, regardless of uneven inputs, it is equal for all. Equal means no discrimination and equal access to all the same results. So an example of equality is, as I said, how we receive salvation. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26-29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, right? Nor Neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. And you are, if you're in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. All equal as heirs of salvation. Nobody better than another. Billy Graham, no more in error of salvation than you, right? All equal before God. Equality works when it is applied to the gospel. Equality works when applied to the field of human rights. Applied to the field of human rights. Equality works when applied to anything where the recipient is not based on Merit but on being simply human, made in the image of God. So from salvation to human rights, equality is based on simply being made in the image of God, a human being. And our world even understands that. It's why we have a charter, an international charter of human rights, that everybody is entitled to those things. Equality, however, can produce unjust results when applied to labor. This is why a free and democratic society is about equality of opportunity, but not equality of outcome. Everybody, hear that? This is where the rubber meets the road. You need to pay close attention to what I'm saying this morning because this is how the kingdom is built. This is how the kingdom is built. Equality of opportunity. Everyone should enjoy equal access to education and employment. This is justice. And we have not achieved this yet. We have not achieved this yet. We do not live in a, land, in a country yet where everybody has equal access to those things. Well, yes, we do. No, no, I can take you to places in this country where they don't have equal access to those things. They don't. Equality of opportunity means everyone should enjoy equal access to education to employment to opportunity this is justice but equality of outcome everyone should receive the same reward regardless of their performance or investment this is injustice not justice equality of opportunity justice equality of outcome injustice someone say amen Equality of opportunity is foundational to a democratic society. Equality of outcome is foundational to socialism and communism. Oh, is he really talking about this this morning? Yes, I am, so listen up. In a free society, anybody can become a doctor, or a mechanic, or a factory worker, and their pay will be connected to their career choice, to their investment in that career choice, and to their performance. Right? In a communist society, you are directed to become either a doctor, a mechanic, or factory worker by pedigree or by party connection, and virtually all work results in the same pay, regardless of effort, competency, or performance. Uh, What's that mean? Problem in our society today is that we're constantly looking at economic policy and trying to find ways to bring greater justice, and we think that means to bring greater equality of outcome to all people. And in so doing, we're actually legislating injustice. The temptation is constantly there for us to attempt to fix injustice through programs which are aimed at equality of outcome. And in the end, this never works. Everybody say, never works. works. What do you mean? Well, giving the same amount of money to the able-bodied person who works for it and to the able-bodied person who does not makes them both equal in the short term, but in the long term produces jealousy in the one who is diligent and enables laziness in the one who is not. want me to say that again? Giving the same amount of money To person A and to person B, who are both able-bodied. And the one works for it, and the other one doesn't work for it. Makes them both equal in the short term. But in the long term, produces jealousy in the one who is diligent and promotes laziness in the one who is not. Hello? And so whenever we see a program trying to be advanced by our government... Which focuses on equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity. We need to go, wait a minute, injustice, not right. I cry foul. And you should cry foul because it's not even biblical. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap you sat around and did nothing, you will get nothing. (laughs) Hello? Uh, I think that's just one verse. Okay, let's take the parable of the talents, right? I mean, we could go on and on all day. He gives the talents out. The one guy hides it. The other two invest it. The ones that invest it, in accordance to how much they received and how well they invested it, they had a return. The other guy, he looked at him, he said, Thou wicked and lazy servant, right? Am I making sense to anybody here this morning? You cannot reward laziness. If you do, if you do, people will be perpetually lazy. (laughs) It's mind-blowing to me that we can't seem to get this simple thing into our minds. It's not the way it works. It's not to be done. Hello? Now, I think we have a long ways to go to create the equality of opportunity still in our country. And we have have our own indigenous people living without those opportunities that are afforded to you and I every day. And simply giving to them money to be able to continue to live without the dignity of having opportunity is a failure. Instead, we should create ways for them to have the same opportunities that every other child enjoys in our country. That means providing the same basic services for them in their communities that we enjoy. That means connecting their communities wherever and whenever possible to the roads that we enjoy so they have, they have one of the freedoms we have in this country is the ability to travel from one end to the other. It's one of our basic freedoms protected by a government. It's one of the government's jobs is to produce a free environment where the goods and travel of its citizens can move back and forth. That goes all the way back to Roman days, right? And we have a long ways to go to bring equality of opportunity to all people. But we don't fix it by trying to produce equality of outcome. Instead, we have to fix the opportunity side. Am I making any sense to anybody here this morning? The great human rights advocate who was locked away in a Russian prison for his belief in justice and equality, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, said this. Human beings are born with different capacities. In other words, different abilities, different gift sets. If they are free... They are not equal. If they are equal, they are not free. Do you want to read that again? Sounds pretty good translated from Russian to English, doesn't it? He said, human beings are born with different capacities. All of us were born with different abilities, different skill sets, different responsibilities, etc. But he said, if they are free, then they're not equal. And if you make them equal, they're not free. Somebody going, "That's just too deep for me, man." It's like I've only had one cup of coffee. I don't understand. It's so hard. <laughs> In other words. You know, Every one of us is different. We have different gift sets, skill sets. We're born with different talents, abilities. And the application of those to our life in a free society determines my outcome. But if you make my outcome the same as everybody else's outcome, we're no longer free. As soon as you try to make all people equal, then they're no longer free. If there's going to be freedom, then there's going to be different outcomes. There has to be, because some people are going to work harder than others. Some people are going to apply themselves better than others. Some people are going to take more risks than others. Some people are going to be willing to put it all on the table. Some people are not. Some are going to want to be safe. Some are going to be able to step out. All of that happens where there's freedom. But as soon as you try to make everybody equal, you take away freedom and you destroy the fabric of the kingdom of God. It's built on justice and equality. Ouch. man, is it ever quiet here this morning? Wow. The principle of sowing and reaping cannot be ignored if you want justice and equality. All right. So the church has been called, let me conclude with this, to bring heaven to earth, to fulfill the Father's ambition given in the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Father's kingdom is one of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's built on the principle of justice and equality. So as ambassadors of God's kingdom, we must seek to extend his understanding of justice and equality into the world. That's what we do. In order to accomplish this, we will need to exercise our freedom. That is, we will need to exercise our choice and our responsibility over those choices to bring freedom to all those around us. We must seek equality for all wherever and whenever it applies to being part of the human family. In other words, equality of opportunity. And we must seek justice for all so that a person is rewarded according to their investment, knowing that in his kingdom he labors not in vain who labors at all. Right? That's the difference between justice and equality. Has that been helpful to people today? Now go out and live it. See, the whole purpose of this series is because I believe sitting in front of me this morning is a room full of community changers. You have been given a calling by God to rise up from your place where you are this morning and to go out into your environment and to take these principles and live them out wherever you are. And here's the beautiful thing about it. You don't have to go out and quote John 3:16 and every other scripture you know in order to fulfill these principles. They're principles that undergird society and the way his kingdom functions, much the same way that gravity works. And when you live them out, you don't need to, you know, layer it with flowery biblical language in order to be able to communicate these principles, right? You don't need to quote the parable of the talents in order to help somebody understand that justice means that a person is rewarded according to their effort. But you can teach it to your children. Can I be honest with you? You should not give your children an allowance. What? You shouldn't. It's not a good idea. It's not a good practice. It's not a good To give them money for nothing. You also, are you ready for this? Should not not pay your children to do chores that everybody has to do. You don't pay them to pick up their own toys. We pick up our own toys because that's part of what we do as a family. You don't pay them to do dishes because somebody has to do them, and we all do it because we're part of the same family. You don't pay them to shovel the sidewalk or to do this. You don't pay them for that because we all do assignments because we're all part of the family. Huh? Yeah. But if they want to make money, say, listen, I would really like my car washed today. Oh, man, if you go out and wash my car, Dad will give you $10 to wash the car today whoo. Yeah. <laughs> Heather's like, I lost my own car for 10 bucks. You know, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Or my dad used to, I never got allowance. What my dad instead would do, he was a maintenance electrician at a factory. So he would take on jobs in the side wiring people's houses. And if Kevin wanted money, he would come with dad and dad would pay him to come and work at that house. See, this isn't because that job isn't part of what we just do as a family. It's not one of the regular chores or anything else. It's going out and experiencing life as somebody who gets compensated for their investment of time and work. So I would go out and I would do that and I would get paid and I'd feel really good about myself. And so when I was like 14, I was out getting a job. And when I was, I got my own paper out. I understood all of those things that I put in labor, I get a return on my investment. I understood justice from a very young age. Right? But if you're giving your kids money just because they exist, it's a bad idea. Then they grow up thinking that everybody should just give them stuff just because they exist. Hello? Am I starting to bring it into focus now? They have rights because they exist. They have right to be heard. They have right to a free trial. They have right to, you know, all the human rights things. They have those, but they don't, they don't have a right to get paid just because they exist. That's actually Injustice. <laughs> Pride <is> like, no. <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't invest in your children it doesn't mean you don't help them with education you don't you don't because the jobs and the things facing them are probably bigger than themselves yes we do everything we can to help invest in them but we invest in them first and foremost by teaching them justice by teaching them kingdom principles So that they learn the value of work. They learn the value of a return on their investment. They learn that these things come to them because they have invested their time and effort. And immediately, as soon as they learn that, they rise above everybody else. Hello? Well, I know some of you are going to be after me. Well, I don't think that's right, Pastor. I've given my kids an allowance, and it's not spoiling them, it's just helping them. Well... Okay, you do what you want, but I'm just telling you what I think. Hello? I, I think I'm pretty spot on with the scripture, but you know, you're know, you allowed to be wrong and disagree with me. That's okay. I don't mind. And, and again, that doesn't mean your kids shouldn't have to use their, use their hard-earned money to pay for a school trip or something. I, that, you know, please understand what I'm saying. You know, we're all about blessing our kids and giving them opportunity and all the rest of it. I'm just saying help them learn the value of work and that it's tied to justice, right? A slave is somebody who works and never gets paid. So help them understand the value of justice, that they invest their time and their work and they receive compensation for it. That's a good thing. But they shouldn't get compensated just because they exist and they're part of the family, right? All the benefits and responsibilities of being part of the family are shared together. Does that make sense? Nobody's paying dad or mom just to be a dad or a mom. Right? And you don't get paid just to be a child. Right? I could go on and on all day illustrating this, but don't have time. If you want any further clarification, come and talk to me. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Um, (laughs) But do you see how the kingdom works this way? Everything that is ours because we're made in the image of God is about equality. Everything that is ours because of labor or work is an issue of justice. And that's the difference between the two. And when we get that, the world works. And we've got a job to teach that to our world. There are tons of people being denied equality, and they shouldn't be denied equality. They exist. They're made in the image of God. They're entitled to it just like anybody else. But there are also many people who are asking for equality when they really want is justice and they haven't earned it and they need to be engaged with actually going out and learning what it is in a just society to get a hold of something and be compensated according to our investment. All right, that's enough for today. Stand up. You guys are good. I understand that's a lot. And these are are heady topics, but they're practical. This boils down to right where you are with your own kids in your own home. This boils down to raising up kids who are going to know the value of work, the value of money, the value of freedom, the value of power and authority in their own lives and in their own home. And it's, it's afforded to you because you understand the principle and you live it out. Now, when your kid says, why don't I get an allowance? Don't just say, because I said so. You can, you can talk to them about justice and equality. Yeah, you can say, go ask Pastor Kevin. He'll tell you why. <laughs> it's his fault. That's why, you know. And all the kids in the church will hate me, but that's okay. I can live with that. They'll thank me later. They'll thank me later. <laughs> oh, just put your hands out like this. Father, I just pray today that you would fill our lives. And Lord, as we even put our hands out, we say, God, just give me wisdom. Give me understanding to be able to teach equality and justice to my children. Father, to the people that I work with, to the people that I share and do life with, Lord, help me to be an ambassador of these principles with all the people around me. Father, fill my life with wisdom and understanding so that I can encourage those who come after me. And Father, we want to literally help our society get to a better place, and we know we do it by walking out your principles. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, bless you. Have an amazing week.